So I don't necessarily think that you have to be a certain size or makeup or be a, a city department. I think you can be a rural organization and say, you know, here's the standards that we expect you to achieve. Here's how we're going to help you as that organization to achieve them. And we're going to, you know, hold you accountable to that moving forward. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Enchanted Sky Studios in Prescott, Arizona. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategies, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. The late Vince Lombardi, the famous Green Bay Packers coach, was known for his inspirational quotes. That's because they were not only motivational, they were true. Today's show can be summed up with this Lombardi quote. Winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all-the-time thing. You don't win once in a while. You don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is habit. Unfortunately, so is losing. That applies to firefighting as well. It's not just how you perform on the fire ground that counts. It's how you perform all the time that makes the difference. Here to explain why and how to build a winning leadership culture in your firehouse is Adam Neff. Adam is Assistant Chief of Training at the Nixon, Missouri Fire Protection District. He got into the fire service 25 years ago as a cadet volunteer and he worked his way up. Today he holds a Chief Fire Officer designation. And Adam Neff joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. It's good to have you here. So there's a lot of emphasis put on training for fire ground operations, but it's almost like people just assume the leadership side will work itself out. What happens when you take a great firefighter and you make him an officer without adequate training? Well, what I've seen happens is they're left to falter and flounder on their own, and very much as you put it, we're just expecting them to be good fire officers. If they're good firefighters, then automatically they're going to be good fire officers. Fire service as a trade does really well on offering classes on strategies and tactics and new ways of doing things. But what we don't do a very good job in is preparing our firefighters to be company officers, company officers to be chief officers, so on and so forth. One of those biggest areas that I think we're lacking is building of interpersonal relationship skills. Communication also struggles sometimes, but it seems like our company officers are either really successful in fire ground operations and suffer with the administrative side, or they're really good at the administrative side and they suffer in the tactical side. And I'm just not sure why we can't have it both ways. 
Now, a lot of firefighters will roll their eyes when they hear the phrase professional development. Is there a better way to convey the message and the need to do it? Well, I guess we could jump on the bandwagon of, you know, if you Google company officer development, there's a bunch of hits that come back. I think, you know, the term company officer development is thrown out there so much, but really it's it's firefighter development. It's professional development starts really your first day at the academy and uh, it should never really stop progressing. But we seem to stray away from battalion chief development. We tend to stay away from, you know, assistant chief or division chief or deputy chief development. What about fire chief development? I'm in a lifelong learning career. I hope I don't ever quit learning and think it's important to get the message across about we need to challenge ourselves because even the ones who have been around the longest may not be challenged by the people that know them the best, so they may have to look outside their fishbowl or outside their organization, or may need to look at a completely different trade or profession to to be challenged and to bring those things back to the fire service. So I don't know if there is a, a better name for it. Sometimes they just have to suck it up and do it. <laughs> How do we get people to buy into the idea that building leaders isn't just for large departments? I, I think it's through honesty and being genuine, being genuine and that we want the very best for our firefighters. Honesty in uh, identifying or accepting that what we've been doing is not working. Um, I come from a small organization. I have uh, 40 career personnel with 33 of those being on, on the line. And we have a fairly robust development program. So I don't necessarily think that you have to be a certain size or makeup or be a a city department or a fire district, or I think you can be a rural organization and say, you know, here's the standards that we expect you to achieve. Here's how we're going to help you as that organization to achieve them. And we're going to, you know, hold you accountable to that moving forward. Every community that has a fire, some sort of organized fire protection, well, that fire protection says, we are going to do this as the mission statement, save life and property and all those other things. I think when we make that commitment to the community, we're also making the commitment to the community that we're going to do it the very best way that we know how and in the most professional way we know how, and we're going to continue striving for excellence. Can you give me some examples of how your department handles this this whole professional development situation? Absolutely. So a lot of departments, um, including my own, um, we did what we've always done. And it worked in the past, so it's going to continue to work in the future. However, the firefighter is changing. We're not getting the same type of firefighter that we used to get. Firefighters now are better at multitasking. They're better at using technology. They're not coming from, you know, the farm fields. They're not coming from the factory jobs with a trade. They're coming really with a lot of technical skills, very little interpersonal skills, very little communication skills. So we have to develop that. We have to take those new firefighter strengths and then mold them to our traditional strengths. So 
an example in my organization, you know, we have course apparatus checks and we have weekly station checks and those kinds of things. And the example that I share a lot of times when teaching or developing my own folks is, you know, if I tell my 13-year-old to go clean her room, she's going to do it because she wants to make dad proud. Well, firefighters want to make sure they're doing a good job, too. So if me giving my child the expectation of cleaning her room, I believe I've communicated that thoroughly and well that she understands what she's supposed to do. My daughter wants to do a great job, so she does what she thinks she needs to do. And what happens is all of the mess gets shoved into the closet and underneath the bed. Now, I don't believe that she intentionally did that just to get out of work nor do I believe my firefighters are doing the things that they're doing to get out of work. So why do we have a miss? Why do we continue to miss the expectation that I've communicated and what the firefighters are doing? I believe it's because it's a process issue. I have to make sure that my firefighters or my daughter, for the example of this discussion, understands what my expectations is and the process to get there. So if we have a detailed apparatus check for the for the day, do we expect, do we just tell our firefighters, hey, we need to detail check this? What I want to say is that would be nice, but if we've not coached them through the process of taking everything out of the compartments, taking the dry decking out, wiping down the cab to make sure we're getting all those nasty carcinogens and all that stuff out. If we're not doing all those things, and all we're telling them is, hey, I want you to detail the engine, then we're probably missing an opportunity here. So I believe that everyone's here to do the best job they can. I think company officers do a great job of communicating organization, organizational expectations, but we have a breakdown in that process. So that's where I think in my organization where we've tried to address the process, acknowledge that, hey, what we've been doing has worked but we also can see that it's not working. So let's let's be honest with ourselves, let's be honest with our firefighters and help them develop into the leaders that we want them to be, which as a buzzword for the industry is a succession plan. Every department in the country is looking for succession planning. Professional development is succession planning. So that's kind of just a quick snapshot of of some of the ways that we, uh, as an example, have used professional development in my organization to help prepare our firefighters to be future officers and leaders and such. That sounds very familiar to me after having discussed the way millennials think and work with several other people. Is that the situation that they think differently than maybe we did when we were their age, and so we need to adjust our training to that thinking? Yes and no. Yes, the fact that uh, we need to adjust our process to fit the person. No, we don't need to adjust the goals or the expectations. So with, you know, society in itself, schools are teaching kids through lesson plans on, you know, Chromebooks and Surface Pros and such. And they're communicating to at least to my junior high students, hey, if you've got a question, just shoot me the, an email, shoot the teacher an email. And so what happens when you fast forward to the point where they're ready to go into the working world, 
now they don't know how to communicate with people because they've done everything through email. And we do a local testing here in our area, which is southwest Missouri, and we have seen in the last testing we had 10 failures in a single topic. And that single topic was interpersonal communications. So we can see the result of how technology has played a part in teaching our kids as they go through school and whatnot. But we're just now starting to see the disadvantages of not communicating with a teacher, not communicating with the with their classmates, et cetera. So that puts even more of that burden on social interaction at home and with friends than it ever did before. So I don't think we need to adjust the goal or the expectations. We just need to adjust how we go about getting our new firefighters to meet that goal or expectation. So if I'm hearing you correctly, then those 10 firefighters who didn't pass the interpersonal communication section didn't pass. You're not saying that you're going to allow for that or work with it. They simply failed. Right. No, they they did not pass the process. They were not allowed to move on in the process. And, you know, when we have the discussion about it afterwards, because this is a regional testing consortium, you know, the... um, there was discussion about offering up classes to help firefighters, you know, overcome, you know, interpersonal communications type stuff. But we were dead set about not offering up any additional classes to teach mechanical aptitude or English or math or some of those other basic things that are tested and politely raised my hand. And I said, it is actually easier for me as a training chief to teach mechanical aptitude than it is interpersonal communications or interpersonal relationships. And if we're going to offer an assistance or a a program to help better prepare applicants for the test, then it should be in all areas, not just the one that we're identifying that we see applicants or candidates struggle with. And we've not made, we've not taken any action on, on anything at this point. We're still collecting data from our area to see how the trend continues. If these guys are good firefighters otherwise, or they would be good firefighters otherwise, would it be something that, in your opinion, would be worth training them on? Or is it the same thing as if they were good at interpersonal communications but didn't do well in other skill areas? I don't know what the answer is on that. I mean, you know, recruitment and retention numbers are down all across the country, not only in volunteer organizations that we see a lot of lot of media on but you know in our area the larger municipal department used to have three to four hundred applications for you know one recruit school of 15 people and and now we're barely getting a hundred people using their their numbers so and I think you'll see that in a lot of other places too so I don't know what the answer is on particularly I think when you're talking about tying back the struggles that candidates have with interpersonal communication, interpersonal relationship on the testing process. And then if you fast forward, I see the same struggles with, you know, new company officers struggling with setting goals or communicating with their people, daily expectations, holding them accountable, those kinds of things. Anything that's going to create a conflict or an issue or something like that, 
we tend to not be as aggressive on as we would the fire ground. We're in the fire ground mode. You know, everyone gets down in the fire ground and they're all, uh, you know, happy. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that will fix a firehouse like a good structure fire. Well, the reason I believe that is because we're all working on the same goal. Everybody can see the goal. Everybody's working towards the goal. And then we accomplish that goal together. I think that's one of the major reasons why a good structure fire will fix a firehouse. Well, if we could take that same approach and apply it to, to professional development or personal development, then everybody on the company, everyone on the shift, everybody on the organization is working for a goal for betterment of their people, which is going to better serve their community. And it just has this, you know, large trickle-down effect. Do you see a connection between the fact that we don't have as many people applying and the fact that the people who are applying seem to need some help? If you were talking to my fire chief, he would talk about how it's a societal thing and just as much as is a fire service thing. You know, everybody wants to be, you know, I think the Harvard Business Journal did a study and, you know, kids in, you know, 16 to 25 wanted to be, you know, uh, a millionaire or Internet famous. And I think, you know, when you are are pushing technology, you are, you know, saying that you have to go to college when you are saying all those things for the for the whole time that kids are in school all the way up until they graduate high school and we're not pushing trades or we're not giving an opportunity for kids to learn what they're what else they're good at you can't help but see the connection and if i have a firefighter that is really good with his hands and has critical thinking skills and is able to determine you know the appropriate course of action for gear a to turn to gear b I'm okay with that. I can work with that. But I also have to acknowledge the fact that if I think he's going to be a good firefighter and eventually be a good company officer, I'm going to have to develop that good company officer aspect as much or more in this instance than I will his mechanical aptitude because that's his his strength. I don't think anybody sets out to be a, a firefighter and says, man, give me a good spreadsheet and a pie graph and I'm ready to go. <laughs> that's, that's not why they get into the fire service. So we have to quit setting them up for failure by not preparing them for that next level. And I'm talking about more than just an operational or a, you know, as a tactician or running an, an engine company, you know, you can develop your firefighters at the same time, progressing your organization forward with strategic planning and getting involved in committee work and, you know, developing policies and procedures and all of that stuff. You can take a collective survey of people that you've had on your show and say, hey, has there been a time or an instance when you promoted that you wish you would have known or wish that somebody should have, would have taught you or at least at the very least told you about. And I would be willing to bet almost every single one would say, yes, there was this or even a specifics and in their own organizations. And we still have it in our own organization, in my own organization that we have company officers that are promoting that maybe weren't as ready as what they think they were. And we're not sure how to get them prepared because we're not addressing it. And a lot of those, what I'm trying to, what we're trying to do in this professional development is, look, if we're fighting the same battles just with different people, then what are we really doing? 
And everyone talks about wanting to make the fire service, you know, leave the fire service better than they found it. And I really think we're, we're really undercutting ourselves. What we need to be thinking about is creating a legacy so the people that come up after us don't have to fight the same battles. Not only make it better, but make it a legacy to the point to where all they have to do is make some some little adjustments for, you know, the environment and the culture and the people that they're that they're trying to bring up in this traditional based environment. So I think you know it's kind of like sitting there in, in a room full of uh, you know sitting there at the Gordon Graham conference and we're like, you know, he says something to the effect of if I can just get one person to change their mind. And I'm sitting here going, there's 1,100 people in this room and we're only shooting for one. I just don't understand that. Why are we setting our sights so low? And maybe it's all a pipe dream. Maybe I'm just, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just looking at this all wrong. No, I don't think you are. I think you've got a good concept here. We just have to get it into practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Adam Neff, thanks for being with me on Code 3 today. Hey, thanks for having me, and I uh, greatly appreciate the opportunity. And we put some more information about running your firehouse as well as you run your fire ground on our website at Code3Podcast.com slash winning. Check it out. Don't forget that you can support this podcast by making a monthly pledge. If you're getting something out of Code 3, please help keep it going. Whatever you can pledge all counts. Head over to Code3Podcast.com support to join the people who are supporting the show. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. This time we talked about keeping a winning attitude through leadership all the time. Do you agree it's necessary? I'd like to find out what you think and why. Just email me, scott at co3podcast.com, or leave a voicemail at 562-337-9902. I'll read your comments and playback your messages on a future show. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.